Welcome back to another episode of Less Than 10, an EVE Online Small Gang PvP podcast. Today is going to be pretty interesting. Uh, this is episode 25, and it's just me today. Uh, Blood couldn't be with us. But from the guest standpoint, we have five people, so it's a big episode. We have so many people because uh, it's a CSM episode. So all the all of our guests today are running for a CSM, and they are all uh, new to CSM. None of them have uh, ever been elected. Some have ran in the past, I believe. But we'll just go down the list, and uh, you guys can all introduce yourselves. All righty, then. Well, I'm Phantomite from Same Great Taste, and my uh, background in EVE is small gang, medium gang, large gang, back down to medium gang in uh, the last year or so. I have uh, extremely strong focused opinions on uh, the direction that capitals should take on citadel geography and on conflict drivers uh, across me uh, across uh, low sec, null sec and wormhole space and uh, how that should uh, affect people's psychology as to how they approach PvP to hopefully make it a better place for everybody in the game. I'm January Valentine. Uh, I'm the producer for both, or one of the producers for the Meta Show and Talking Stations, the Sunday Show. I've been involved in all kinds of PvP from 3,000 uh, fights, or 3,000 people in local to 10 10 person gang. Uh, I'm running because I believe now more than ever, the CCP needs quality feedback from the player base to go forward on their very exciting changes. And as a producer that have, uh, has worked with all manner of, uh, people from NoSec block leaders down to, uh, just two man corp guys. I believe I'm in a great spot to get that feedback from the player base and give that to CCP. Hi, I am Lorosco Cross. I've been playing Eve for seven years. I've been in Wormholes for five years, and I've been a member of the Hard Knocks Ops team for about a year and a half now. Uh, I am running for CSM on a Wormhole and Small Gang platform, a Wormhole platform because there's some ecosystem. I believe there's some ecosystem changes coming up for wormhole space, since uh, there's been a lot of shuffling around in Nullsec with the org changes and whatnot. And I think we're going to see some economic changes in wormhole space as well. And I think I have the knowledge and experience to be involved in that discussion and to give an expert opinion on that aspect of Eve. As far as small gang is concerned, I've spent a lot of time in Pyfer, and the CSM is pretty consistently lacking in members with a developed understanding of ship balance outside of large-scale conflict. Even in years where someone like Zutonia gets on, it's usually a uh, it's usually a solitary voice. I'm hoping to bring a little more voice to how those sort of ship changes will affect uh, fights when there's less than 20 or less than 10 people on field. 
Hey, I'm Torvald Uruz. I don't fly with anybody. I've been playing E for about 10 years, and in my time, I've done everything except for wormhole space. More recently, doing nothing but abyssal content. Um, my areas are really, I don't have any specific area. Um, I do live in high sec and I do abyssal stuff, but my my view towards CSM is instead of focusing on specific areas, focus on certain play styles, um, such as small gang solo type content where instead of looking at eve from a larger perspective uh as you would in such a null site block or a giant group you look at it as individual play styles and how people what they do whenever they log in how they're going to enjoy themselves what kind of content they're going to bring um so my bid for csm is purely for individuals out there solo small groups so that they can log in eve enjoy themselves have fun um, making sure that that play style is, represent, is represented equally since we have so much representation from certain parts of Eve that are large groups. That'll be my focus in uh, making sure that no matter what, whether that's high sec, low sec, null sec, or wormhole space, that everybody across all types of space has the opportunity to enjoy themselves, whether they've got 10 minutes or eight hours to play Eve online. So this is Stitch Caneland. Um, been playing Eve since about 2011. Mainly been doing solo small gang PvP. Um, well, mainly solo for most of my career, and only the past two years I've been doing small gang with Tuskers. Uh, spent a lot of time in low sec and faction warfare, uh, both as a uh, you know faction warfare player, and then I slowly kind of progressed to just living in non-faction warfare and being kind of a nomad. Uh, I spend like Laresco mentioned, I spent a lot of time in uh, Pypha and EFT. I probably have more, spend more time in, in those areas and then the game sometimes just coming up with stupid fits and seeing what works and what doesn't. Um, you know, I like to kind of fit outside the meta, find weak ships uh, and see what their strengths are, see how they can be improved, um, and also kind of view balance regarding ship balance with mainly like soft changes, soft ch stat changes. Um, but as far as the CSM goes, I want to just provide more insight from a ship balance perspective and also provide low sec and faction warfare advice and also funnel feedback from other players in to kind of help with that because I feel like some, ch some of those changes are going to be coming up soon. Sounds good. Um, so the way this is going to work, guys, is we have a big pool of questions that a whole bunch of you submitted. Uh, I kind of went through those, removed some of the troll questions, uh, and and some of them just kind of reworded them a little bit. Uh, and we're going to go through those lists. I've kind of divided them into three categories, uh, that being small gang specific, the other one is CSM specific, and then more of a general catch for any question that kind of didn't fall within those two categories. Uh, I'm going to ask people kind of some some questions I will ask directly to uh, one of our CSM candidates and other questions we'll just kind of go down the list um, and I will I will call you guys uh, most of the time um, there'll be an opportunity to kind of follow up after the question if you'd like any input if I ask you a question specifically I mean if you guys really don't have any input like feel free to just say that you know you don't really have much input in that area or in that specific question that's fine uh you know so we'll just kind of get into it um this one we're just going to go down the list 
Uh, it's kind of an icebreaker question, but what is your favorite ship to roam in? So we'll uh, we'll go the opposite of the intro. So we'll start with Torvald. Oh, all right, starting this one off here. I'd have to say my favorite ship, man, is the Orthrus. Um, mainly just speed, kiting, missiles. I use the Orthrus a lot in Abyssal PvP. That's what I specifically do right now. But whenever it comes to roaming around like by myself or with a couple people, I'd have to say the Orthrus. It's just such a hitting some with a volley of rapid lights and being able to scram them and just keep it right. It, it's beautiful. That'd have to be my favorite ship. Cool. And moving up to Stitch. Uh, for me right now, it's probably going to be the Typhoon Fleet issue just because I can put torpedoes on it and it does a lot of damage. Um, I can fit it with max application and it has just a ton of utility built into it because um, I can put dual heavy newts on it. It has a big drone bay. You can fit 125 uh, bandwidth of heavy drones on it. So you get five heavy drones plus all the damage from torpedoes. So I just kind of use it. It doesn't have like a ton of tank with how I fit it. I just use it to basically assassinate anything that gets in the scram range and then micro jump out. So from for solo, it works really well. Nice. And up to Lorseco. Uh I don't really solo at all. For small gang, for me, it's got to be the tackle malediction. I love the roll-in fleet. of uh, The drive-by scramming screening is something that I really enjoy doing in EVE, where your gang is kiting away and trying to feather from a target, and you're swooping in and, and uh, keeping targets off them. There's just something about that piloting that I really enjoy. And when you fly your malediction, uh, how are you fitting it, roughly? Like, are you flying like a, one of the cheaper uh, ones or the abyssal, really fancy abyssal fit some people use? I've ever since the Kikimora got added to the game, I've been flying a cheaper one. I used to, I do have a really expensive abyssal one, but it's, I always overtank them. So it's always uh, pretty much all full tank lows. I don't, I've, I know some people play theirs recently. I've not got good enough abyssal walls to play mine. So it's just a bit of tank, one nanofiber and uh, snakes if I'm feeling adventurous. A very yeah. typical fit. Right on. Uh, up to you, January. I've had a lot of fun fly flying the Munin, uh, so I'll have to go with that. It's probably my favorite uh, small gang ship so far. Nice. And Phantomite? Couple as uh, solo would be a plated Harbinger, but not with an MJD. I like to fly it with a uh, MWD to try and uh, maximize my ability to apply to things before they might scram me down. But in small gang, I'm really enjoying flying a Pulse Zealot at the moment a uh, ancillary wrap on there, an MWD, um, an 800 plate. I am trying to decide at the moment whether I prefer to fit a metastasis or a locus to it. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to uh, decide that a locus is the best thing to go on the, uh, on my, on my pulse seller. Nice, nice. Cool. Uh, so now we're going to get in, we're going to ditch the icebreaker and just going to hit you guys with a big question here. And that question is, why is small gang PvP important for the overall health of EVE Online? And we're going to start with Stitch. So I think for small gang PvP being important to the kind of balance or life of EVE is it, you have a lot of these smaller, more technical individual fights that could be happening throughout you know, all of EVE. You know, obviously the 3,000 people fleet fights or, you know, 1,000 versus 1,000 fights, you know, get a lot of coverage and people look forward to those. And, 
you know, that's what gets people into the game. But I think from like a day-to-day basis, you know, there's things needed that, that need to happen that kind of fill that in between, between those really big fights that people want to join and participate in. And then the people that want to do stuff in between and maybe more on, on an individual level or a small gang level, you know, get with some friends, you know, five dudes, whatever, and go out on a roam and just, you know, see what happens. Um, you know, you're even on a solo level like me and other people, you know, sometimes they got time constraints or, you know, they don't have a, you know, few hours to go out and roam and try and find a fight. You know, I think it's important that their play style is represented and they can go out and find fights and, you know, have fun with the, you know, spaceships you fly in the game because i mean that's what the game's about it's about spaceships so (laughs) you know if you're the spaceships that you have access to aren't in the best position to do those things you know i think it's important that that gets mentioned and represented um but as far as like small gang goes and that play style that's kind of how i feel about is you know just it's constantly kind of filling that that gap between big flight big fleet fights and everything in between cool uh we'll move over to you phantomite for some follow-up small gang and solo is exhilarating there's virtually no aspect of uh particularly solo that isn't a hundred percent your skill based as a pilot um in medium large and super large fights there is a huge amount of skill being displayed but typically not by the people who are you know firing the guns on the on the uh, on the dps ships um it's um with solo it, it it gives you that exhilaration it gives you that glory you get an amazing sense of achievement not in a sort of an electronic arts way sense of achievement well, it depends what you're buying um but uh it gives you the shake still give me the shakes it's been something like 13 years since i started playing and it's still exhilarating every time even when i'm just flying a merlin yeah just following those shakes right and uh torvald uh you'd like to follow up as well yeah well i'll go ahead just uh not to offend anyone here but to be blatantly honest have you ever heard someone say that was so much fun keeping at range and hitting f1 um the small gang fights and the the little stuff man that's i mean the the other two hit on it it's the shakes it's the uh it's the action and if you've ever talked to other people you never reminisce about that time you were keeping at range on that mercurial and pressing f1 on that structure or on that other mercurial right you're always you know these little fights they have those those stories behind them that sure you don't see the big articles on them but from your personal experience being in those fights you have the greatest memory, the greatest recollection, the shakes, all of that. It comes together. And I mean, it goes by so fast, you forget some of it. But that is truly the greatest time in Eve, from the piloting to the action, the the outcome leading up to the engagement. I mean, it's just something you don't get anywhere else, whether it's solo or small gang. There is no excitement like that. So that's all I'll say about that one. Yeah, I'll agree. We we tell lots of stories in the podcast. It's usually we have a segment kind of just dedicated to what we've been up to lately and you know, dumb dumb stories like my almost losing my nomad orca in that shattered wormhole from last episode. Like stuff like that. It's it's just me and my alts, but uh but the stories are kind of cool. So I definitely agree with you. Does anyone else uh want to follow up with that on that question as well or should we move on? I, yeah. I think oh, go ahead. 
I think one thing makes me kind of sad is that there isn't enough avenues for people to really develop high skill, high skill level playing. Uh, one mechanic that is no longer in the game was combat refitting uh, with triage, uh, triage archons, archons. That was really exciting, and it took a lot of concentration and a lot of focus, and you had to be absolutely calm under pressure to do it right. Uh, the AT tournament was a highlight for a lot of people, as people literally took a year and trained, you know, four or five times a week. Uh, I flew in, uh, let's see, we were in the top 10 and the top 16, I believe. Maybe it was a, quite a while ago. Um, but yeah, we trained like f four or five, six times a week uh, to be able to fly properly for for the AT. And there's not really any of that anymore. You know, it's um, it's just kind of like you're just kind of like funneled into a fleet and, you know, you you do what you told, you're told and things like that. And there's definitely being in a small gang where you develop that synergy and relationship to other people and you can see an engagement and know exactly what they're going to do and they know exactly what you're going to do. And there's this kind of unspoken like communication between all of the uh, teammates is something really incredible to be a part of. And I think that is extremely healthy for, for the EVE Online experience. And uh, Lorseco, you wanted to say something as well? I think it's all covered, honestly. Um, there's, there's, there's three there's three parts to why small gang is so great. There's the the synergy and relationship that you develop working closely with your core mates, which January covered. There's uh there's the fact that you never reminisce about the huge thousand man fights unless you were the FC or one of the people who made it happen. You do reminisce about the small gang and the solo fights, just like Torvald said. And then uh, there's the inclusive nature of small gang that Phantomite said. Every member in a five-man gang is important and has their roles. And if somebody messes up, then it reverberates. If you're in a thousand-man fleet and the guy next to you screws up, you won't even notice. That in, that impactful sort of person-to-person -person level is, it, it's, it is exhilarating. It's, it's, it's what you talk about at the end of the day. And it's the sort of stories that, it's the sort of stories that got me into Eve, reading about them on Reddit. When uh, just after the Battle of Azekai, logging into Reddit and seeing all these comments about, uh, first time player just got my first solo kill and it was exhilarating and reading how much they're enjoying this this multiplayer game that those stories all come out of small gang for sure for sure all right we'll move on to the next question uh this one we're just going to direct at one person and that is going to be phantomite and that question is uh when do you think the golden age of small gang pvp was <laughs> Something that's um, always present with every single player of, of EVE is uh, rose-tinted glasses as to how things were. There has always been a big problem that has been detrimental to small gang PvP. But um, if I was to place it somewhere, I might place it um, some time uh, after the uh, pirate frigates got buffed into usefulness do you uh, i mean i don't know if you guys remember uh, um what they were like beforehand they were kind of curiosity collectibles essentially um at the same time just regular tech one frigates were kind of pointless at the same time as well um but uh, that certainly was uh, an exciting time mainly because there were so many ships that were now viable and 
what's really nice is when everybody doesn't know what to expect from something. Like um, today, you know, you 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 take um, you take a slicer out, and everybody knows exactly the capabilities of a slicer and how it'll be doing. I know that there's, you know, some some surprise afterburner fits that kind of thing out there, but um, it certainly was an exciting time when people didn't know exactly uh, what they were going to be facing when they saw you coming. Awesome. And the next question, let's see. Let's go with, in short, I'm just going to read this exactly as it comes. So in short bullet point answers, what are your top three priorities to improve small gang gameplay? And for that one, we'll go to Torvald. Honestly, given, given people more accessibility in the sense of looking at space like faction warfare, um, maybe looking at carrying over some of that, seeing how you can change null set to make it to where instead of being blob, there's options for something like faction warfare in null sec, some of those similar mechanics. That way people can go out there and not get blobbed or get dropped by Titans. Um, so really building off that. And those are really the only two. Um, basically making a situation where there's limiting factors to where you can't just throw hundreds of people in a situation or hundreds of ships in a situation. So you can actually get those small gang engagements rather than worry about getting blobbed and whatnot. Sounds good. And uh, we will kind of revisit these at the end guys in the open discussion. So if you do really feel the urge to key up and respond, uh, we'll just kind of save it for a very open discussion. We're all going to have at the end of the show. Uh, so the next one is for January. And that question is, do you feel the recent resist and ammo changes have had a positive or a negative effect on the small gang game experience? Oh, man. You know, I'm not sure. I haven't really seen, you know, really people really leaning towards one way or the other. Um, you know, I've taken, I've been on down a couple of rooms since the changes and I haven't really noticed anything, to be honest. I think it made, I think it made small gang a little bit more difficult because we often don't have Logi support. So that the, the kind of tipping point that CCP intended by reducing uh, the resist profile of um, modules and stuff De was definitely a detriment to small gang i would say um i think they tried really hard with the ammo changes to make uh more brawly versus kiting but i don't think they went far enough to be honest uh kiting seems to be always better in most situations than brawling and they tried to give the close range ammo um some more ump and it they didn't really change the ship classes enough to be able to support that so yeah it's awesome that void got uh more damage to it but if my megathron can't get there then there's no point in a you know if i can't apply then there's no point in having that fair and we're going to continue on with this uh rapid fire targeted question theme and uh we'll go to Lorseco. and the question is what do you consider the most prominent unfair advantage offensive small gangs have over defenders and how would you balance it? 
the most prominent advantage offensive small gangs have? Oh boy. Um, I'm not sure. They kind of have all the disadvantages right now. I guess they tend to be in much more expensive ships. I'm not. I that, that's a really difficult question. I'm sorry. I'm not sure how to answer that one. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I, um, I agree with him. I, let's let's open think, it up and let's let's uh, see if we can get figure out uh, an, an I, unfair advantage that offense offensive small gangs have. I will say one thing that I I, I think anti tackle as an unfair advantage, sort of the strength of rapid light ships peeling off tackle, especially now at soft frigates have been nerfed somewhat, albeit they do still need a few more nerfs in my opinion. That's all I can really think of. Um, rapid lights just kind of need a nerf in general. They're, they're pretty oppressive on either side of the playing field. I kind of want to go back to the change that CCP advocated for three or four years ago where they were removing any ship with a bonus to missiles would lose that bonus to rapid light missiles. So the Cerberus would have range bonuses for heavy and heavy assault, but not for rapid light, for example. So everything would be down to the range of a rapid light scythe fleet issue, which was like 40k with Navy, I think. Yeah, 40 or 42, something like that. Yeah, I, I felt like surplus with 40k rapid light, and then if you want to do the sniper stuff, then you lose your application. That makes sense to me. Is that was it your idea, Stitch? You were somebody was talking about doing rapid rockets instead of rapid lights. Was that you or was that someone else? No, that was someone else. I've seen that in the less than 10 Discord. Basically, the idea of taking both rapid heavies and rapid lights and making them uh, rapid rockets and rapid hems. But we can get into that after specifically. Um, yeah, that is a that is an interesting question, actually, because it makes you think. I, I kind of agree with you on, on the, the front that um, you could say anti-tackle is very strong. And the net result is it discourages people from uh, like really trying to put the move on a kiting gang, like come out and be aggressive. Because if you are aggressive with with tackle ships, you're just going to get insta shredded. Like no matter what, you, how well you fly, you know things like rapid lights apply so well. It doesn't really matter. So it kind of pushes away that uh, like that response or pushes those people into ram jags or recon spam or, or whatever it may be. So. But we can revisit that one after because that's a good one. Um, I'm going to highlight that question to kind of open it up to everyone later. Uh, the last one for now in this kind of format, just to round it out, is it Stitch? And that question is, if you could rebalance one ship to make it more viable for small gang, what ship and which attributes would you rebalance and why? <laughs> that's kind of a... That's a tough one because there's a lot of ships that need rebalance. <laughs> um, trying to, I'm gonna think on this for a second. We can switch it up and ask you if you could rebalance one ship to make every other ship more viable for small gang. What would it be, <laughs> and what what would you change on it? Well, I mean. If we're gonna pick a navy battleship, I think one that would be really fun to tinker with is the Navy Raven. Um, specifically, dropping a turret on it or a launcher on it, so you'd have seven launchers total, which gives you a utility high, which is something it severely lacks, and you really need a utility high in a battleship in the current meta. Um, and then, and also eight launchers eats up a ton of fitting, um, but then dropping the velocity bonus on it, giving it a damage bonus, basically turning the Navy Raven into the Navy Drake. Um, 
you know, so you get the damage bonus, you get seven launchers, and then you get the application bonus, which is really useful on cruise missiles and gangs, but also can open it up to um, long-range torpedoes. Um, and also has a, a decent buffer fitting and things like that, so you can actually get some EHP out of it. And by dropping a launcher, you get some more fitting, so you might actually put it, be able to put some kind of active tank on it, which as of right now, it's really difficult to like just squeeze in like a single XLASB on a Navy Raven with torpedoes, which you know could also be an issue with torpedoes, but that's a, another topic. <laughs> um, and you know, just some general like speed, minor speed and fitting buffs. I mean, like battleships don't need a lot; they just need especially Navy battleships, they just need to be refreshed and like actually caught up to the current meta. But I think something like that would be a lot of fun just because, I mean, the application bonus, explosion radius bonus is huge on battleships using cruise missiles or torpedoes. It's probably one of the strongest um, trait bonuses you can get on a missile battleship. Nice. Uh, so the next question is going to be for everyone. Um, if you would like to reply, just X up in uh, in chat, and I'll call you guys out as we go. But uh, that question is, do you fanboy on any uh, small gang groups, past or present? And what did you or do you admire about them? We'll start with Lorseco. I love the stuff that Goring, Clade, and Code come out with. The not so much the fact that their kill board looks really good. Like a, a, there's a couple C2 groups that uh, you look you look at battle reports and see how impressive what they're doing is. People like them and like uh, Strix Ridens. But the thing that makes Goring special is you look at what they have on their side of the field and you think, what? What is this comp? How are they fit? How are they? How are they? How are they playing this? The, the first time that coming up was the. The so-called Troika comp with the with the remote Kapler shacks feeding rep nesters that they were using a few months ago. More recently, I've seen some really weird fits coming out of them. Legions with armor pilgrims, and I I can't even guess how they're fit. And I'm just, it's one of the few groups left in the game where you're looking at a battle report and you you can't immediately tell exactly what happened. You're sat there scratching your head. Wait, those two ships there? They they're not nano ships. How are they flying them? I I love getting that reaction. And Gorin's basically. The only group that I get that reaction from nowadays. Nice. And January? Oh, man. Uh, I would have to say Goring Clade as well. Uh, well, actually, there's two of them. Uh, those guys represent what I would like to be one day. You know, you know, absolute perfection. You know, flying unusual comps so well. And people are just completely hopeless against them because they don't understand them at all. Um, however... Uh, I've been going on uh, Rub and Zomi's um, roams. He started. He was with the Tuskers, and he started these Friday night roams. Uh, and I was privileged to go on a few of them before he left. He he won Eve, and those were amazing. Uh, he they just it was just a Discord channel, um, just guys coming in of of all backgrounds. Um, and every time was a really fun time. Uh, most times we ended up dying in Cobalt Edge, um, but you know it was uh, it was very unintimidating. You could just come in and they would uh, break down a ship for you, and and they would go if you wanted, or, and then just go out. And uh, it was a really tight knit group of people that would fly really regularly, and you could just get the taste of that that relationship and working together but 
asymmetrical warfare is something I've always liked about Eve. Um, I got into kind of a discussion with one of the, um, he's really high up in test and, and he goes, yeah, if I have 500 plumbers, they're going to beat your 50 guys every single time. And I was thinking about that and I was like, yeah, of course, but I'm not going to send my 50 guys, uh, you know, straight into your 500 plumbers. You know, we're, I'm going to go around and under and, you know, over and, I'm going to, you know, pick off the stragglers every time you guys jump and, and I'm going to pick off the st guys doing stupid. So by the time you guys get to your destination fight, you know, you're down, t down a, a third that you were. Um, and that's always been attractive to me. Uh, just watching these guys that can do it very, very well and, and aspiring one day to be able to do that as well. Excellent. Yeah, I... I mean, obviously, Gorin is is a group um, that that does those things so well, and it's there's always like one group in Eve. It seems through the ages, it's kind of like at that bleeding edge of that type of content. And it'd be really nice, like if more of that could happen. I think, like, uh, I, I don't know how you get there. It's probably like more frequent, aggressive balance changes, shaking up the meta so that the people you know that can really Haifa well and 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 look at the the ba the balance of meta versus what people are flying and where there's holes to fill stuff like that. So I don't know. I'd like to, I'd personally like to see a lot more of that as well. Um, and yeah, the dudes in Gordon are, are super awesome. I think we might see less of it because of this surgical strike change. I feel like the the resistance did what they were intended to do. They're meaning more ships are going to be dying, and it's sort of an ecosystem change rather than a balance change. But the the lower resists things like the Troika comp don't really work anymore because you need the resist like the niche comps that are kind of off meta and don't really work in the most optimal situations. They don't really work at all anymore because you need those resists to 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 make repping doctrines work. Any sort of remote right battleship comp doctrine, for example, just I know they were pretty bad before, but that's sort of fun meme stuff just doesn't work at all anymore because of those resist changes i think it took i think it took some of the fun i i get the appeal of recreating a whole new meta but i think it took a little bit of the fun out of it yeah i mean you could also uh, yeah you could look at it from multiple ways too right because essentially what that change did is decrease time to kill right so there's got to yeah. be some room for for meta for stuff to, to get in where whether it's with projection or 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 whatnot, um, but it you can capitalize on mistakes. Like maybe you can make those people's mistakes hurt more. But I know what you mean. Like it definitely like the the stuff like Troika it's, where you're you're focusing on rep power. Uh, that rep power was diminished. So it's know. complexity as well, isn't it? If uh, God, this sounds this sounds kind of like wine and Gura, The skill floor's gone up, but when you when you reduce the room for mistakes, then complex comps like Troika that require everyone to be on the ball, they're just going, going to work less often and they're going to die more often. And often the more complex comps are comps that are that complex because they're designed to fight superior numbers. And they kind of they kind of fall apart more quickly with without the higher resists. I don't know. It's 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 even even a month later, it's kind of still too soon to call whether the changes were actually as, as bad as some of us think they were or not. So I don't want to I don't want to pass judgment too hard. For sure. All right. Well, we'll uh, move on to our next question. And uh, this is uh, a really important one, in my opinion. Uh, so we're going to go down. We're going to do a structured response again with everyone getting a turn. 
And that question is this. Uh, every year at the summits, um, CCP, maybe they ask, or people have just been doing it, but especially last year, it kind of started uh, with CSMs giving presentations at the summit. It kind of started with uh, Exuki, who did that phenomenal wormhole presentation. Uh, and then I believe at the last summit, um, Gobbins, Vili, Olmeca, and Exuki again presented. Uh, they did presentations on things like conflict drivers, capital escalation theory, um, you know, large alliance organization, non-consensual PVP, wormholes, stuff like that. So the question is, if you were elected and you were president at the summit, what would your presentation be on? Uh, we're going to start with Stitch. Can we do two presentations or are we just picking one? Uh, I Let's just pick one. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you get to do two or <laughs> in the context of the question, but we'll focus on one because that's what the question uh, asked. Well, I think the, the primary one would be conflict drivers for me, um, especially from like a small gang solo perspective, um, especially in Noel just roaming around. I mean, you know, sometimes when I'm just flying around by myself, I'll roam around for like an hour, hour and a half and can't find any fights. And, you know, it's not like I'm in some intimidating ship. I might be in, like, a Roke or something or Drake. <laughs> um, and it's just, you know, no one wants to fight. And I have no way to instigate a fight. Like, in the past, I used to be able to just warp to someone's station at 100 and just kind of sit there. And, you know, eventually someone would poke their head out and be like, oh, look, you know, a Drake. Let's see if we can kill that with this tornado on the undock. And then you can MJD on top of them and kill them. But, you know, you don't want to warp 100 at the Citadel because you'll just get blabbed by the Citadel. Um you know, things like ESS, I think, need a, a big rebalance. Um, because if I can go into the ESS and, you know, create an, an announcement in local that, hey, I'm stealing your money, come out and fight me, that would be really helpful to start generating fights. Um, and then just, like, little things like that to escalate. You know, I don't want to cause tedium to people, but I think there should be a reason that either you undock and fight or you lose something. Cool. And uh, we'll move on to Torvald. I'd have to say my presentation would be content accessibility. And uh, so one of the jobs I feel like a CSM would be talking with the community, obviously, and gathering information to bring the CCP. Because as a single person, it's you know near impossible to have all the answers and information. So one of the things that I would really like to show CCP, and we've seen recently they've been looking at this more but we've got those filaments that they added first they started as reindeer filaments and then they became an actual in-game item that we can use all the time and uh, basically just present to them the amount of time players spend in eve playing but not really playing and enjoying themselves so you know that required data gathering such as how many hours this week did you spend waiting for a discord ping and then going joining a fleet or you know whatnot and then looking at Things like the um, whether it's the filaments that eat you into null or like abyssal content or faction warfare, this is kind of quicker paced, faster action content and seeing what the difference in those numbers are. And, you know, in terms of enjoyment, getting a getting a gauge for what people like more. I mean, did you have more fun roaming around low sec for 30 minutes or did you have more fun jumping 30 jumps through null sec getting blobbed? You know, so that'd be my presentation. All right. So. Yeah, it, it's it's basically my main point um, of my entire campaign is uh, I would do a 
uh, a presentation on um, capital support. I um, strongly have the belief, and I don't think anybody here would, would, would I think everybody here would agree, that uh, I don't think capitals should be powerful when they don't have subcapital support with them. I think the capital should be incredibly powerful. I just think that they should be sitting ducks unless they've got an intelligent fleet with them. It would do uh, two things in my mind that I'd want to impress upon CCP. It would, uh, for the people flying the caps, it would force them to either think deeply about their support and their flying to actually get some usefulness out of caps rather than, oh, here's three carriers and here's some fighters coming towards you. Brilliant. Um, I think that they should still be able to do that, but they should require some subcaps with them. It would also slow their instant deployment if they had to always bring subs with them to achieve that. And for the people who are without caps, who are attacking the caps, it would give plenty of opportunities to mess with the support that had um, had to have come with the carrier. And of course, if the carrier hadn't come with any support, there you go, have a carrier kill. Sounds good. And next is January. So last summer, I had a question about that I asked myself is what is the place of low sec in EVE Online today? And why do we need it for a healthy environment in EVE overall? And so I had talked with like 10 or 15 guys from like all over. Some of them had stopped playing. Uh, most of these guys were very uh, spe specific in faction warfare and low sec. Um, and I really got an appreciation for how useful low sec is uh, for the overall health of the game. Uh, what I had found that was a lot of people didn't want to go into null sec and just kind of be a drone. They wanted to have a more close relationship with their alliance mates. Um, they felt that null sec was too intimidating for, uh, you know, PVP. You know, you had to have all of these things uh, in order to have a fight and low sec was more accessible. Um, the ship costs were a lot cheaper. Um, and so it was a lot easier to get people into ships. Um, and so my presentation would be how, if you're going to make a balance pass, you have to consider low sec and null sec together. They aren't two different entities that work independently of each other. They are often so closely, um, so closely intertwined. Uh, for instance, when we had the Citadel patch, um, it was amazing for null sec because you know, you had stations uh, and, the, and some regions didn't have any stations at all or, or very few. Um, and now, you know, you could just basically put one down wherever you wanted, no matter, you know, you could fill a whole system up full of them. But what it did was absolutely ruin faction warfare. You know, faction warfare before that was kind of a tedious, kind of a broken thing, but people used it and they made a life around it and Citadels completely broke that. And a lot of people that I talked to uh, consistently told me that they left when Citadels came out because it just ruined their their faction warfare uh, play style. So yeah, definitely the the intertwinedness of the closeness of low sec and null sec and why, how they help each other uh, for the health of the game. Nice, and Lorseco, you are last. Mine would be, I'm sorry to say to the nano gang guys, but mine would be 100% tunnel visioned on wormhole space. That sort of 
my subject matter that I'm the most experienced in. If you want to, if you don't want to listen to me whining about wormhole space, then maybe skip ahead a minute or two in the uh, in the recording. But essentially, at a at Exuki's presentation that he did at FanFest, I I don't know many of the details, but I know that he uh, I know that he asked CCP, you need to decide what you want wormhole space to be, and there's kind of there's two options for what wormhole space should be. There's the there's what CCP implemented wormhole space to be, which is the wild west where every man's for himself. You know, it's dangerous and exciting and unpredictable. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And then option two is what we, the players, have turned one more space into over over the last twelve years, where we've built up these empires and we have these uh, we have these huge built-up home systems where we uh, where we roll and roam for content, and we're in control of the system, being able to roll connections and whatnot. And I, Exuki asked CCP, "Which one of those two do you want the game to be?" I'm going to tell CCP, "There's a correct answer here, and the correct answer here is the latter." Is allowing wormhole space to, to continue being under the control of the players because the more control players have then the safer and better they feel about undocking their shiny ships and then with more shiny ships in space that's how more fights happen and i think the answer to content generation of wormholes is simply give players control give players as much control as possible i would i would make more connections rollable i would uh i would and I would add more and more anomalies for groups, so a group can sort of lock down their home system and be out in space doing things where they think they're safe. They think they're safe being the key word. They're not actually safe because someone can roll in. And that's essentially a solution for content generation and wormholes, just getting people out there. It's a similar it's a similar problem that you have in NullSec where you can be roaming for an hour or two and there's just nobody out. In wormhole space, that problem is amplified because if a wormhole system is empty, then you've just spent 20 or 30 minutes scanning to get to that wormhole system in the first place. The, the time to content is much longer. So having people out in space is very important in wormholes. And I think my presentation would revolve entirely around what's the best ways to get people out in space and to have those impactful battles without having to resort to evicting people. Sounds good. All right, so we're going to move into one more round of the structured questions, and then we're just going to blow the top off this joint and have a open discussion where we're just going to rapid fire topics, and we're just going to all, myself included, I'm going to get get dirty with you guys, and we're just going to talk about it. Um, so yeah, let's get into these last set of questions, and we'll start with Stitch. And that question is, how can faction warfare realistically be iterated upon to improve the current state? Emphasis on realistically is, is the way the question is written. Well, I think the first thing that needs to be addressed, like uh, January mentioned, is citadels. Um, you know, when I was in faction warfare, I think citadels came out uh, probably in my last year or so in faction warfare, and it was the same situation. I just like what's the point of grinding systems when someone can just pop a citadel down and still retain that system so there needs to be some kind of hard restriction on citadels which i mean my main idea was um basically just your citadel has to be if you anchor a citadel in faction warfare it's one of two things you either assign it to a militia and once that system gets taken over the citadel falls into a low power abandoned state that way it can just be destroyed um, which will also generate fights because maybe someone will try and defend it and continue plexing the system to get it back in their control. Or um, if you like lay down a neutral citadel, like you know you're a pirate in the area, then 
if you're in militia, you just can't dock in it. It's just just a hard restriction, you know. And I know I don't really like restrictions in a sandbox, but as a temporary workaround or a permanent workaround that actually would work, I think that's one of the first things that needs to happen. The citadels need to be iterated upon in faction warfare. Um, from there, you know, we need to start looking at things like, um, for one, novice plexus allowing like pirate frigates or um, maybe even navy frigates either just move pirate navy to smalls or generate a new plex um, like a rookie plex that just allows t1 ships in just because you know newbies new bros they kind of get overwhelmed at the very beginning and fighting against a dead space fit tramiel and getting dunked on and your you know t1 fit rifter they're not really learning a whole lot and they're just throwing away ships that at an early stage can sometimes add up to be really expensive uh on top of that things like um faction loyalty point rebalances some factions have much more desirable things in their area than other factions do so the farmers and things like that people want to go to those factions more often because they can cash out the lp a lot more and more consistently compared to other factions. Um, and faction warfare missions, me personally, I mean, I'd like to see them just outright removed. I think faction warfare, the way you make your money should be through PvP um, in some form. You know, we could maybe just reduce even further the payout on faction warfare missions because, you know, I just don't like seeing a bunch of bots and jackdaws or bombers flying around and basically being uncatchable just farming missions all day and you know you have to basically camp these missions or try to camp them to actually catch these these people running them and then when you do catch them it's not even much of a payout um and then as far as actual capture system i would like to see things like beachheads or major conflict points basically uh, adjacent systems uh, like so like for example if you're in mimitar amar faction warfare where you're pushing is there's always going to be a conflict area of like three to five systems all adjacent to each other. So that's where you're going to be earning either extra LP by capturing those areas or fighting in those areas. Whereas the systems that have no really engagements, there's no adjacent systems that are owned by the enemy. They would have either no LP gain from just like just sitting in plexes and doing things or be, you know, scaled down. So that way you can kind of get a, a focus of content, and these main systems and it also helps to push bots out because they're not going to be making as much um, you know lp and these back-end systems where they can just go afk and if they do go to these you know heavily combated areas they're just going to be constantly pushed off all the time because you know you can't afk in a combat zone sounds good and the next question will be directed at torvald and that question is, what is, in your opinion, the best way for a single account, single character Omega player to participate in EVE Online? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Uh, man, I'm the biased part of me, because I'm so into the Abyssal stuff, but the biased part of me, man, that's one of them. Um, I would say Faction Warfare, Abyssals, um, there's all the high-sec options, Exploration, um, Sorry, that's not a high stack option, but that was another one. Uh, Faction Warfare, Abyssals, Exploration, Missions. Um, I would say for content PvP-wise, Faction Warfare. 
would be the best for a single player. Uh, that's the one part. If you're focused on PVE, I'd say Abyssals or Exploration. Sounds good. And uh, other people in the channel really wanted to spring at that one too. So we're going to add it to our open discussion topic list later. And we'll re revisit it. Uh, next one's for Phantomite. Do you think there's room to incorporate more skill-based mechanics into larger fleet play styles? And if so, how? Oh boy, that's my specialist subject. That's absolutely my specialist subject. What kind of uh, larger are we talking here? <laughs> uh, let's say mid to large. So let's say 50 Brilliant. and then let's again say 400. Okay, okay. I might, I might um, recommend that we split it into four, we split it into, well, into five. Um, I, I think there's probably five things. I think that there's solo, small gang, medium. Maybe medium is in, in my mind is in the, the, the 20 to, to 50 range. Large, you know, maybe 100, 200, and then there's the super large, and we, we, we can all okay. imagine what that means. It was just means. for larger fleet stuff. Yeah. So just say the, the two late, latter ones you've mentioned. It's something I've already um, touched upon, but um, it's it's a, it's about requiring that capital ships are still incredibly powerful ships, but they they require intelligence support. Um, I know that some of the people who'll be listening may have seen um, some of my adverts on the five v five scrims or other places where um, I. Um, asking a question of CCP at Eve London, I talking about the fact that w w I don't know why CCP gave carriers their own tackle interceptor. Nowadays, a, a, you might say a tackle cruiser since it lost its MWD went down to an AB. Uh, I, I don't know why they removed the need for support ships to tackle for capital ships in that case. Um, I don't know why high angle weapons were added um when previously if people wanted a dreadnought to apply to a uh, you know a battleship or something the subcap fleet would have to work hard intelligently about it not just ramming the subject so that it goes too fast and has a lot of transversal you know webbing it painting it and being very careful showing some skill there with your piloting when you're doing that showing some skill with your planning showing some skill with your fleet composition as well um i also feel that capital cap boosters have essentially completely negated the ability of uh subcaps to uh newt out caps which used to be the weakness of capitals was being newted out um i i, I feel like skill can be brought back in large fleets in terms of the planning and fitting and FCing of the fleet. Um, but while capital ships are so hilariously self-sufficient with the uh, types of things that they're capable of, uh, I think CCP has essentially removed um, the need for those, those subcaps, which is a terrible shame for both the people fighting against those and the people flying them. It's taken so much depth away. That's fair. And... Uh, I believe it's just Lorseco now is the only one left before we move into our last segment here. Um, so this is an interesting question for you, Lorseco, uh, and it references another game. Uh, so someone asks, in Albion Online, there is a mechanic to reduce your applied damage the larger your group is. Do you think that this would be a relevant change? And if so, 
Why? Zerg Mechanic. I, I played Albion for a few months. It's a great game. It's uh, I love Albion because it's it it tried to make a sandbox, and they they basically based everything off Eve Online. So they implement mechanic. They look at things that happen in Eve Online, say right, this is a problem, and then they implement them. They implement those mechanics better. So as a the the, the Zerg nerf, it's called or Zerg nerf or Zerg buff, is a is a good example of that. Where uh, if more than eight or ten people attack you at the same time, everyone's damage gets nerfed. It gives you a little bit of a chance to survive. I'm I don't think that's a good idea in Eve, simply because of the scale of the fights at Eve are at a point where when three hundred people are are attacking your little EHP ship at the, at the same time, I don't. I uh, like you're going to die regardless of any any of the buffs and nerfs, and it's uh, it's also worth mentioning that CCP want more more things to die. That's the whole reason they did the resist changes to to nerf Logi, and uh, adding that sort of complexity to the game when at the same time CCP are uh, adding diminishing remote reps and and but nothing nerfing resists. I I don't see that being compatible with CCP's current vision for Eve. So no, I don't think. I don't think it's a very good idea for Albion. It makes uh, it makes the ZVZ fights in Albion so much more fun. But I don't think, in the context of Eve, it's a, it's a good idea. I have a feeling that question came from one of my corp mates. <laughs> There's a shitload of us that were playing Albion. Great game. It doesn't doesn't quite have the uh, doesn't quite have the depth of Eve, but it has the uh, it's it's definitely the closest out there compared to Eve. I don't think there's any other game that comes close to Eve besides Albion. Yeah, for sure. I would agree. Um, so we're just going to move to the very last question, and then we're going to retouch on on that one a little bit after too, because it's an interesting question to open up to everyone. So the last targeted question before we move into that segment is for January, and that is, what are your thoughts on warp core stabilizers? Probably the like most talked about single module in Eve's history, maybe. <laughs> Go. To be completely honest, I think they're awful and just com should be completely removed. I don't see a reason why they're here. Um, I don't see what helpfulness they have, to be honest. Uh, I don't see, really see their place in the ecosystem of EV, of Eve, or, or yeah, just PvP, to be honest. Fair. Um, okay, so that's it for these targeted questions. Uh, it's going to get interesting starting now. You guys, everyone kind of ha has a good feeling for, for where each other are. Um, you guys feel free to ask each other questions through this. We're just going to have a big old discussion. Let's keep it civil. Uh, I'm, I'm going to not moderate it at all. So <laughs> we'll see how much of a dumpster fire it is. I'm just going to start. If, it, if the topic kind of conversation kind of dries up, I'm just going to throw another topic. Um, so we're going to start with uh, the ESS. Um, let's talk about the ESS, guys. There was a, I, I just want to say before we dig in, there was a Reddit comment that CCP posted a couple of weeks ago hinting at upcoming changes to the ESS. There's definitely nothing confirmed yet, and I don't want to make promises, but it looks like they're already addressing it. And we may, if 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 one if one or more of us gets elected, we may be entering the first our first uh, our first few months looking at. The changes that CCB already have planned and given feedback on them directly. Perfect. I mean, personally, I think it's it's uh, absolute garbage that they were able to be anchored in anoms. This is like the low hanging fruit. I'm gonna I'm gonna eat it before you guys can. 
it's it's straight up bullshit. Like when you have they can fully escalate an anom and then you warp to it and it's in that anom. Like it just totally kills any content that it could generate. Um, but I want to hear from you guys what you think potential changes could be to aside from the low hanging fruit I just mentioned to the ESS. I'd very much like to see the ESS um, have much beefier variants that are. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see some like like physically bigger ones that are um, some fleet targets or some strategic uh, installations to a system, rather than only having uh, the 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 tiny little one that is. Um, I mean, it's it's good for small gang and solo, but it's not very exciting yet. If there's bots that read near to and go and take a pick at the ESS if there's any hostiles within 10 jumps, it wouldn't surprise me if they were, but I've not heard about that. I wonder if that exists. I feel like if that existed, then I would have come across far fewer lootable ESSs. <laughs> I can't remember the last one I found. I can't remember the last time I found one over 50 mil. I, I appear to be roaming in the wrong areas. Mm. Yeah, it's about what I found yeah, as well. But yeah. I think we found one like last week that had over 50 mil. But I mean, it's just kind of luck of the draw, especially when rolling wormholes in a null sec. Sometimes you'll find some writing pocket that they've been at it all day and you'll get lucky. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, are they still placeable inside gated complexes as well? Um. Did they remove that? Because I know that they were being placed inside the maze, you know. <laughs> I, I I remember hearing horror stories about them being placed inside. You, you remember if not that long ago, you used to be able to spawn the tutorial missions anywhere, and you can't. No around. way. You can't warp around in those pockets, so people would burn for a few hours in a tutorial mission and drop the ESS. And when somebody warped to it, they'd land at zero in the tutorial and just wouldn't be able to warp to the ESS. It would take them hours to get to it. It was. <laughs> Was that ESS or was that something else? No, that, I think that was ESS. I, I think you're right. Yeah. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. It was, <laughs> I, I think I think the gated stuff was fixed as part of the fix for that uh, for that exploit. You can definitely still post them in anoms, and uh, you still get the whole somebody places the ESS and in a particularly difficult anom, and then whoops in and kills all the triggers. Which uh, oh, Farrell's already said that, but uh, it's. It's just something that's that just no nobody at CCP. It it just didn't occur to them that somebody would try that. But you know, yeah, say was... leave leave a little hole in a mechanic, and uh, Eve players will find a way to fit a freighter through it. <laughs> yeah, I think it was actually mainly small gang guys that were doing it because they would they would do it to generate conflict in the system. Uh, they would just spawn the mission and then place the ESS to <laughs> basically. Um, annoy the ratters so they would actually go and do something but then they would warp to the the mission like you said and then they couldn't get to the ESS so you know that's probably why the changes came around you know plus it's pretty cheesy but pretty amusing at the same time all right I'm gonna yeah, go ahead I'm gonna throw in a, another topic and that is uh abyssal pvp 3v3 filaments Ooh. yes please now 100 yes I would actually go a lot <laughs> further. I think that Abyssal PvP has um, the has some exciting opportunities if they are acted upon to start becoming not a replacement for, but um, a not insignificant part of quite a lot of 
um, small gang and even perhaps medium fleet PvP, perhaps even tying Abyssal um, PvP into some aspect of um, sovereignty, to be honest. There was, well, did you guys read Olmeca's Reddit post a couple, about a week ago when he announced he wasn't running for CSM and he was quitting EVE? He mentioned that he wanted one of the timers for Citadels to be like an 8v8 fight or scaling up to 30v30 or 50v50, depending on how big the structure was. Exactly, that would be brilliant. Um, I'm going to swing back to Albion here because Albion did I that. knew this was coming. Yeah, Albion did that. Literally before. Albion. Albion had a sovereignty system where you could own territories and the territory the the there'd be a big there'd be a big sort of uh, all versus all it's called ZBZs in Albion where just like that's just like their equivalent of, of normal fleet fights. There'd be a big fleet fight where people would uh, attack a territory and if the attackers won, there would then be a five v five match to decide the ownership of the of the territory. And what that developed was an environment where people were being sold between alliances as mercenaries to, to to like battle for each other's territories so if that system were to come into eve you'd you'd have sort of the sort of people who would be involved in at they, they'd be sort of the big shots and there, there are whole alliances in albion that are devoted to or were that this system isn't albion anymore but when it was there were whole alliances devoted to building up resources to to fund these players to go and be the champions of their alliances what are people's opinions of having that sort of system in eve well, see, we've got to break through the negative stigma that EVE Online has always had with the with the instant stuff. I mean, we already yeah. see with Abyssal PvP that, or Abyssals in general, instant stuff isn't favored. But the number one thing I hear people say is they want 3v3 frigates. And then, you know, we saw these filaments come in, and I'm like, why? What is so wrong with this? I, like, you know, we're looking at tournament style gameplay options we're looking at, you know, small gang. You know, and I know this is a very unpopular opinion, not unfortunately, but people don't like the idea of locked in places where there's no, you know, there's no interruptions from the outside. I'm like, why is that so bad? Why can't we have, you know, why, why can't we have the ability? We've got these five V five scrim guys setting up, putting all this work to do what they do. Why can't we have a feature where it's maybe uh, an arena or a, a filament or something that gives people the ability to really take advantage? You know, what, what is so wrong with this kind of stuff? And so that's where we branch into all these other ideas but we've got the the majority of player or a large group of players that say this is eve it's an open sandbox well what's so wrong with having instant stuff you know what what's the problem with that i don't think there's anything wrong with it at all in fact i think that especially with um certain things that maybe i'll talk about later um we are more in need of some form of arena than ever before i think that people people's knee-jerk reaction to this concept is that it will replace the sandbox but i'm guessing that's not what any of us are after at all we i would imagine we all want the sandbox to exist so it would have to be uh, balanced in a way that essentially both were things that still happened uh, i think like there, there's pros and cons to to the situation like i'm i'm for like a frigate 3v3 type setup um and this might go back to kind of the stigma you were talking about earlier. The the only thing that I have a concern about is, I mean, currently roaming space right now sometimes feels like it's hard to find fights. If we move a lot of those fights over into Abyssal PvP, you're taking people out of space where space is already pretty, you know, short of people to fight minus, you know, blobs and stuff like that. And the people that we really want to fight are like other gangs um those same kind of people that are going to enjoy that kind of abyssal pvp 
um, like right now with the the five v fives, like some of my corp and I'm sure other corps, there a lot of people are going to those five v five things. You know, sometimes we'll say, you know, hey, we you know need some people to fight this gang, and they're like, oh no, we're in a five v five right now. Um, you know, so you know it's not really a huge deal, and you know I'm probably uh, what would be the word? I guess exaggerating the potential disadvantages of it. Um, it's just my only fear would be that we pull a lot of those people that we actually want to fight in space in the sandbox, take them out, and then all we're left with in the sandbox is a bunch of blobs. Yeah, but there's also the the other side where what about someone? I'll I'll say you know me in my life for example, I've got a pretty busy real life and all that, and I can't. Sometimes it's hard for me to dedicate an hour or two to go out and roam, but you know, it would be so much more. And then, you know, I wonder how many people, how much untapped potential there is for people who don't play Eve because they don't have this time to dedicate. But what about those people who literally just don't play Eve because they don't want to, you know, I, I, I have buddies I've tried to get in Eve, but I took them on one roam and we spent about an hour and a half trying to find a fight and they, they'd never played again. And so I'm just like, why, you know, what if there's an option like this for people to enjoy more quicker paced action. I mean, I guess it's, I definitely see your point. I see, you know, taking people out of the sandbox, but at the same time, how much attention, how many more people would enjoy it? And you know, what if that is a more popular decision? So it's kind of a trade off, but I just, I think of it from, you know, my, and obviously I'm tunnel visioned here on, you know, my, I got to kind of open up, but you know, how many people would enjoy the fact that they, instead of spending an hour or more looking for content, they can get something in 20 minutes. And that's where faction warfare, you know, faction warfare provides some of those opportunities too, but there's, you know, that system has its flaws as well. So it's difficult, but. And like um, you were mentioning, um, you know, or actually go back, like I don't have a problem with like a frigate 3v3. And I think that would be a good introduction to um, abyssal PVP. Because it limits it to frigates. My and, and like you mentioned, faction warfare is really where those quick, you know, easy to get fights should be happening. It's just sometimes that's not really the case because of the current mechanics, which is again another reason why it needs to be rebalanced. But uh, back to your point, I definitely think uh, like at least a frigate three v three should be introduced to see how it goes. Um, like I don't have any problem with like testing out the idea because I think it's a good idea. And like you said, you know, sometimes people just want to go out in five minutes and go fight they don't want to roam um and my only concern is how it would escalate from there like you know is it going to then turn into 5v5s with cruisers and battleships and things like that and then you will be pulling more people out of just a general roaming population if it escalates to you know bigger things like that i think that something uh, i mean would anybody disagree with me here if i was to say that that so many of our greatest pvp memories are from things that happened somewhat unexpectedly, things that uh, interrupted what we thought was going to happen, that kind of thing. I mean, that's not that's going to be far less possible if a significant amount of PvP moved to Arena. But I think that something that we're all possibly overlooking is where you, something that I certainly was for a long time is trying to fix the symptoms of what we've got now. Maybe that's not the right answer. Maybe the answer is maybe we wouldn't feel the need for some more forms of instanced PvP if there were ways to solve the relentless blobbing that goes on at the moment. If there were ways that that could be reduced, we might not be after this kind of thing anymore. That's uh, a million dollar solution. I just want to say, and I, you know, not 
hundred percent disagreeing with you, but I've done, you know, I've done a lot of things in need from null sec, low sec. And I will, I will honestly, I'm two hours, three hours in wormholes over 10 years, but in the past year and a half, I've done solely abyssal PVP. And I know you talked about the things that you don't expect are the most exciting. However, I'll go ahead and disagree. Cause I'll tell you, man, I've done so much and I've had some of the craziest, most fun experiences in my Eve career in these one V one fights. Cause I mean, and I will say the problem with one V one and the reason why it'd be nice to have a scale up is because one V one locks in a meta you want to win, go in a Niki Tursa go, you'll win. Um, but if you want an awesome experience and that's why opening it up, but yeah, I'll go ahead and say, you know, about from what you said, Phantomite, some of my greatest experiences in PVP has been the, these one V ones locked in that arena. I've had some ex incredible experiences and stuff out, you know, stories I'll tell and reminisce on and, so I, I see what you're saying, but yeah, man, I, I wouldn't count out those experiences from the instant style PvP because, man, they can be absolutely insane. I guess I'm more kind of imagining what a world of uh, gang arenas would be like. Um, I, I, th I, think, I, I think I see your point about, about you know, getting... You, you do get things that are unexpected in the 1v1s. Um, but as you scale up the number of ships, it pays for things to become simpler to some extent. I mean, there's still room for people to do things on a much more complex level. But, um, you know, we, we, we all know what gang and fleet warfare is like. You know, you get into a coherent matching fleet comp, and that is an advantage. It might not be the advantage that makes you win, but it certainly is an advantage. I think the, the having instant stuff that's possible on a casual level sort of three or four people max is fine but when you when you have the instanced when you have the instance gang stuff that's just pvp for the sake of pvp so this is outside of Olmeca's citadel idea when you just have say taking 10 people into some abyssal arena filament you are you are taking preformed fleets out of the sandbox somebody is pinged to get his courtmates online to go and play outside of the sandbox i think that pushes it a little far as far as having as far as having the 10v10 specifically for sovereignty timers, I I have no idea what I think about that. It going back to the uh, going back to the Albion analogy of the sort of the environment that it created of people sort of hiring out mercenaries. I'm not sure because because that's what it will evolve to. If you put if you put actual high stakes behind uh, behind instance PvP, that's what it will turn into. It will turn into major alliances training up PvPers and like paying people paying elite pvpers to be recruited into the alliance to represent them what do people think that that's a healthy direction to go just sort of specifically instance pvp for major objectives only if I... it goes hand in hand with the full sandbox mechanic occurring as well like you know maybe it was or maybe so... it's always the last timer out of maybe it's the last time you shoot a citadel out of three yeah, times so, that you so shoot Mecca's... it on Mecha's example was armor timer. So if the structure was low power, there'd be no instance stuff. It'd just be structure gets destroyed over over two fights. So if they want just... to use the blob, they got to turn up for the after the first timer to to save it. If they want to save it with a blob, if they don't manage to save it on the second time, then it's uh, elite o'clock. Okay, I so would say many the ways. Say. I would say no. I mean, I'm sorry. I'd say no to that whole scenario because you're talking. I mean, look at the groups in Eve. Look how big they are. I mean, you're talking empires with giant structures. And realistically, that would. I mean, in my opinion, that would take from Eve in the sense that you're 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 staking. You know, you've got this 
5,000 man alliance with this structure that's pretty important to them, even though, you know, we'll, we'll, I think we can all admit that sovereignty and citadels and everything, that's a whole different thing that I don't even want to begin to dive into. But I think when you've got a huge alliance or any number of players and you're putting the entire or even just one aspect on the back of 10 players or something, I don't know. I, I feel like that kind of takes away on the large scale of things because you've got to consider all styles of gameplay and some, some people are in this for the empire, the numbers. And as, you know, as much as that sucks for people like us, like that's what they're here for. And those empire builders, I mean, they're a majority, they're a, a big majority. So you can't really, you can't hinder their gameplay. You know, that's, I think that's the whole idea here. You can't hinder specific gameplays, you know, to kind of satisfy your own. So I don't know. I just, I, I feel like some kind of, tying sovereignty or structures into a system where only 10 people matter. I feel like that's kind of just going against what we should be doing here. You know, that's, that's fair. That's a, that's, I think I do agree with that. Yeah. yeah um, I agree as well. Yeah. It's a, it's a great concept. And I mean, there's definitely like, I mean, when we're talking about faction warfare or something, there's where you can throw in stuff like that. Um, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, I feel like this is a controversial one, but man, I look at faction warfare and I, and you know, you guys can crucify the hell out of me, but man, I look at faction warfare. I'm like, what if we had specific, you know, sites in faction warfare where it was locked by players? And I know, I know what you're going to say. Well, then, you know, five of the same militia can jump in there and lock it out and capture it. Well, you know, what if there are mechanics in place to where that specific, like say there's a special novice site that only allowed three Caldari three Galente and three neutrals in at one time, no more than he, or something like that. You know what? Or, would that be completely like heresy to say, or is that something? It's because it's difficult to balance. Um, how would you stop people from just bringing their alts that they keep in the opposing militia in? Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, that's, that's why you got to start looking at numbers and be like, okay, what if you did five, five and five or something? And I guess if someone really wants to put in the effort, I think they deserve it. But yeah, that, I mean, Man, the, the alt gameplay in Eve, it, balance and fixing things in Eve, I can imagine, is the hardest thing to do because you got to look at how can players break it, how can they screw it up. But So, a weird suggestion, coming from somebody who's done all of maybe three hours of Faction Warfare in my seven years of playing this game, what if you had an instanced fight for the iHub? So, I don't 100% know how Faction Warfare works, so just to make sure I'm on the right step. You 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 attack offensive plexus in a system until the system become until the system gets to hundred percent, I believe, and then you can uh and then you can shoot the iHub. Is that how it works? Correct. So what if uh what if once it gets to hundred it would schedule it would schedule some sort of fight where both sides can turn up as in sort of an instance five v five or ten v ten. And to sort of ignoring the obvious implementation concerns where how do you decide how do you decide which players get to be involved? What do you what do you think about that sort of as a higher level idea? There's potential there. I mean, maybe there's got to be you know something behind it. Like, why would we need to do that? But there may you know even if it's not for the high hub because that's where the idea of fighting over like the structures we were talking about earlier, like the high hub. That's definitely an idea there because you know maybe there's some kind of because we got to be thinking about it in terms of the empires and the situation rather than you know putting this in there just because but there's definitely i i like it i mean it'd be the, the logistics of it would be really d difficult i imagine because you know we're talking about the alts thing and all that but 
it'd be an interesting thing to talk about though the great thing about faction warfare is that it, it's high stakes enough that people are getting involved in actually fighting over objectives but it's low stakes enough that you're not getting the huge nullsec alliances moving in and bankrolling to make a certain side win so it would be it'd be an interesting place to try out instant stuff and see how it works i wonder how you would maybe have the ceo of one of the most active participating corps decide the team that goes in or something like that just to make it non-exploitable by the opposing team's ults something along those lines I don't know if I would tie it to the IHUB, because in Factional Warfare fleets, when they actually do have objectives like that, um, you know, they can get fairly sizable, um, you know, sometimes 30, 50, maybe 75 to 100 dudes in, like, the really big corpse, or if they really pull together, um, you know, which, you know, like, Nullsec fleet battles, it's not that big, but for Factional Warfare, it's pretty big. And it kind of falls in that same category of... Um, you know, Nullsec running on an instanced kind of PvP thing to decide sovereignty. You know, an IHUB battle is a is a big thing in Faction Warfare. It's, you know, how they decide if the system flips. So I think rooting it down to just like a, uh, you know, like a 10v10 fight is, you know, kind of limiting because you run in the same situation of, oh, this one side screwed up or that guy on that team disconnected who was their lodge and now they lose this whole fight. Um, because it's so, you know, small in scale, it kind of, you know, throws things out of, out of balance there, I think. As far as Abyssal, or not necessarily Abyssal, but just instance PvP and Faction Warfare, the one areas where I would see it would work would be either general plex captures or maybe a fight before the iHub that determines the actual, um, vulnerability of the iHub itself. So if your faction wins that instance fight, you get another chance to bring your uh, your vulnerability down uh, by recapturing plexes again. If you fail that objective, then the iHub becomes vulnerable and then the normal fight can take place with the fleet. Nice. This has been a pretty good discussion. Um, I'm just going to interject here and and uh, I mean, my personal opinions are I'd, I'd like to limit the instance stuff tying into much solve both faction warfare and nullsec but i do like the idea of of like instance 3v3 abyssal stuff like i like that but personally i'd like to see it kind of drawn there but all this discussion really pushed uh a big topic in my mind and that's kind of uh content generators both in low sec faction warfare and nullsec so i don't think small gangers would really need instanced fights if there were good abundant content generators in soft nullsec and and like and you know likewise for faction warfare if that system was better there'd be more uh focus on creating good content generators um and one question we had uh, kind of ties into this and that is what do you guys think about making it so anyone can use jump bridges uh, or Anzaplex jump gates are the correct name for them now so you know make basically removing the ACL list just having them all open so that anyone can go through them uh, I would get in a carrier and jump enemy jump bridges repeatedly until they run out of fuel so you'd need to you need to remove <laughs> fuel requirements if, if that was going to be a mechanic E plays uh, yeah. at their you, best. You will, for sure. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, if I wanted to invade Delve, I'd just go to Delve and I'd spend all day getting. Like they get some cool carrier kills, but their logistics guys would hate me. But I, I don't, th I don't think that's a good idea unless you're removing fuel requirements. And 
does anyone have any self-knowledge experience of what of like how of like how much of a good mechanic fuel requirements are and whether it's a whether it's a necessary part of well, the anti I think removing them would absolutely be necessary because the yeah. really uh, the fuel requirement requirement is is kind of dumb anyway you could put some if they want to limit the amount of traffic going through they could put some arbitrary you know cap on it via whatever mass so there's multiple ways but let's just say hypothetically well, they, bring they remove to stop fuel. other players going through it at exactly <laughs> like let's just say they're essentially like jump gates um so anyone can use them do you guys think, think that's worth it is it even worth putting dev time into it what do you think what kind no. of conflicts would you see generate from that i just so a lot of people's issue with antiblexes is if they see somebody walk to an antiblex then they can't like that guy's just going to jump through and they're gone like that's not content but it's the same if that guy walked to a citadel instead that's not really it, 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 it would just be a different issue. Instead of warping to a jump gate to escape from people, they'd just walk to a citadel. So I don't think that's an issue. I think there's other there's other things you can do to antiplexes instead. For example, uh, just to reel off a few, you can't jump them if you're pointed. Maybe increase the spawn distance when you jump through one. So if you've got people camping in a jump gate, people spawn a few K off. Uh, a great idea that I believe Darius, another CSM candidate, said on the forums was to increase fuel usage for people outside of the Alliance that owns the jump bridge. I really like that idea. So like, for example, in it moving through Delve, maybe maybe uh, the, the fuel requirement would be high enough that uh, uh, alliances may not let their friendlies even use their jump bridges at all. And it's just sort of a nerf to these huge sprawling networks. And then of course, there's the very popular ad fatigue because uh, the old pause jump bridges uh, had fatigue and the new ones don't for whatever stupid reason, even if it was like sort of blobs level fatigue, which is half of normal, even something at that level would be nice. But yeah, there's there's other ways to nerf antiplexes. I think letting anyone jump would be kind of a last resort if there's still an issue after you do one of the other numerous ways to nerf them. Okay. So let's keep going into this nullsec focused content generator. Cause so far, I mean, we haven't really did What's January that? want to say something about antiplexes? Sorry, I just noticed the X. Yeah. Um, as someone who enjoys the benefits of having them, uh, I think they were honestly a step in the wrong direction. Uh, if you look at the map and you look how space is divided up, what those jump bridges did is just, instead of having, no, sorry, um, instead of, it was something that Pando said on his FC chats, and I forget where, which one he said it was, on but he said when they were helping out GOTG uh they got added to their ACL list and the whole north just opened up because at that time uh Guardians of the Galaxy owned basically uh Declan to Tino um and it made space it makes space seem so small uh for people that own those jump bridges and the ACLs means uh that basically they have access to Delve Fountain and I'm just picking on initiative it's Dell Fountain and, you know, at that time, the whole North. And it just seems like that's not the spirit. Like, how how can you foster, you know, that asymmetrical warfare type playthrough where people have to be a bit better than your average F1 drone um, to make a difference? You know, if I can just jump my fleet, you know, five jumps and cross a region, you know, or across the region in five jumps, you know, how is that? It just seems it's so easy. You know, it's just like, 
I so I don't know. I I would honestly change how the jump bridges might work, or you know, make them um, much more a much more restrictive uh, because it just seems like how space is divided up among you know the nullsec blocks. It's just so easy for them to control, have an influence over these these gigantic regions with having a small concentrated or a concentrated force in one area they don't have they don't have to spread out to hold it they just need to be in jump range of it and especially if you look at legacy where every keep start was is in jump range of another you know if you're looking at that and you're like how am i going to take it you know uh, start a conflict in that it's so intimidating because there's just like this giant wall of keep stars that you have to grind through um, to at least, you know, do something especially meaningful. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, especially like, so this is going to be probably the last big question slash uh, conversation starter. Um, so like, listen, we'll just listen to what I'm, what I'm saying. I'm going to describe like a typical problem uh, that I think all nano small gang nullsec dudes will agree with. And then I want you guys to talk about what you would push for to change this, if anything. And that problem is this, is that, so what nano roaming is like now for my, from my experience is most of the time I'm either fighting other groups who have filamented in or uh, people just dock up as I roam through their space and I'm on their Intel network or uh, the, the, the very competent groups at pushing off roaming gangs form stuff that is like basically impossible for my five-man filament group to do anything on. I'm talking about, you know, recon spam with capitals there, stuff like that. So my question is, is what can we do? What can CCP do? And should they even bother looking at this? What should they do to push small gangs into being able to roam. So we're not talking about instance content. We're talking about old school roaming. What should they do or what could they do to make that more viable? Make it so people can't just dock up, make it so that there's some skin on the table, make it so that people want to come after small gangs and push them away. Uh, and you know what? Even if it is an overwhelming response, I think I'm okay with that. If, a, if an alliance has the means to form up quickly as I roam in and the, the the combat awareness to come at me and push me off, then you know what? Their ratters should probably be able to rat in peace after they push me off. Like, that's fair. Uh, but all the other times when people are just docking up, what, what should we do about that, if anything? There's a couple of very easy wins there. Discounting the ESS discussion we had earlier, because the ESS being revamped is a really good answer to that question. I want to talk specifically about filaments and how they're implemented. How they seem to be implemented is that there's sort of a, a list of a list of systems that are designated as active, either through NPC kills or through uh, pilots undocked in space, and you get teleported to one at random when you use a filament. And it often means that you're you're being teleported to a system that another filament gang has already been teleported to in the last five or 10 minutes. And if you're being taken to someone's staging system and another gang already landed there five or 10 minutes before, 
then you're in a situation where you land with your five or ten man gank and there's already a fleet formed up to fight that's probably got overwhelming force there's probably already rapiers around there's probably already uh combat scanners combat scanner probes out so simply changing it so that you can't be filamented into the same system that another gang has just jumped into would be an immediate easy easy win where you're jumping into a, a region where or you're jumping into a constellation at least it's sort of a small area of space where the residents are not already prepared to deal with the gang as far as getting people undocked ESSs are obviously a quick win and there's also uh there's also being able to intosis structure services which was a very popular mechanic with the old outposts and it's been mentioned a lot cc please let us uh let us intosis structures to switch off station services i'm wondering how much room there is for that mechanic maybe being able to intosis jump bridges would be a good idea that would be another way to nerf anthroplexes being able to switch off being able to like toast a jump bridge for, for 10 or 15 minutes and then it's switched off and then gang has to come and respond to force you off so I want to point out for any of our avid listeners, this recording is happening before uh, the episode that releases tomorrow releases, like tw episode 24, in which we talked about Intosis thing st station services a lot. So Lorseco had nothing to do with that conversation and oh, well, hadn't heard it go. yet. So just so you know. <laughs> so to kind of add on to that, um, both Ansiblex and Citadels, I think, are both areas that can help generate conflict. I mean, like I mentioned before, in older style roaming, back before Citadels, you could warp to a station and be like, hey, I'm here, come fight me. Uh, which you can't really do with Citadels because they can just instantly target you and kill you. So, to kind of bring that back a little bit, I think there should be some iteration on Citadels for either they can't attack unless if they've taken direct damage, like you've shot them, or they have to go into some kind of siege mode where there's like a you know a short spool up so you can see that hey you're about to get blapped um, that has some kind of penalty to going into siege whether that's more fuel consumption or offlining certain services you know there should be some kind of penalty for just basically being a constant death star uh, whereas older stations didn't have that you know passes did but stations didn't um, so that gives you some uh, ability to kind of at least you know show yourself make your presence known maybe play some undock games, things like that. Um, as far as Ansiblexes go, I think that's another thing that can be used for conflict drivers. It's just they shouldn't be on Citadel grids. Um, you know, or there needs to be some kind of limitation on what the Citadel can do with the with the gate because you can't really bubble or camp an Ansiblex because the Citadel is just going to shoot bombs at you the whole time, uh, which you know could kill your, your bubbles or just push you off. Um, you know, so I think there's more interactions that can happen there with the Ansiblex to help generate fights or, you know, force a response from them. Because if you're camping their jump bridges, you're going to start killing their industrials or people just, you know, going back and forth. And they're going to have to form up to deal with you instead of just ignoring you or manning the Citadel to push you off. To be honest, I think field limits are kind of cheating. Um, they don't really... They they're nice and they're awesome. I don't ever want to take that away from people, but it's like it's like the um, machine god mode, you know, where they just kind of like bend the rules of the universe so uh, so drastically that um, it doesn't really fit. Uh, I believe the core problem is, and I think it's something that we need to. Uh, I think people need to be more aware of rather than trying to fix the symptoms. We need to fix the problem. 
is the problem of perfect intel that local brings you. Uh, I think if we did not have that, or it was restricted much more than it is, we won't have the problems of, of trying to find fights, um, of trying, you know, everyone just docking up as soon as you come into system. Uh, Eve, the fog of war of Eve is pretty much gone, you know, with Dotland and, and enough players who know the maps. Um, so everyone knows when there's a fleet coming in, an opposing fleet, we know where they're going to go. You know, it's it's very easy for someone, you know, even as dumb as me to say, oh yeah, you know, they're coming. I'm I'm at the end of the pipe, and they're and they're you know three jumps out. They're coming towards me. You know, um, fixing local, and this is such a sensitive and drastic step. I believe will make things more balanced, where riders don't get to rat in complete safety, and then. Oppo uh, smaller opposing gangs that can kind of slip under um, imperfect intel networks can actually have some content uh, before the response fleet. And I liked, uh, I believe, I think it was like Lorisecco said, you know, you shouldn't get punished for having a response fleet. If you're a group uh, and you're just trying to provide us uh, some opportunities for your guys to make money, um, you should expect people to come in and attack attack because you know they're they're targets but at the same time you get the option of of either retreating or pushing them off and i don't think that should be taken away but i think local is overpowered it's it's way too um it's way too op and i don't think filaments are the right answer for that uh, they're a good answer but um the issue is local not uh, not the, not the, um, oh gosh, what am I trying to say? Having fil yeah, basically local is too powerful. I think filaments, the objective was less behind, was less about getting past the perfect Intel, which is a huge rabbit hole and, uh, more about just reducing the time to content and time to content is such a big issue nowadays, much more than it was a few years ago. I remember in 2014, that CCP proposed the arena idea that we've or that we discussed a few minutes ago, and they got absolutely slammed on Reddit, and the idea was dropped because of the flashback. Because of the, uh, a lot of players just hated it completely, taking people out of the sandbox. And we seem to be at the point now where people are prioritizing time to content over keeping things in the sandbox. Because I, I do, agree, I think you made a very good point about filaments just sort of breaking the rules of the universe, being able to instantly travel out to where the to where the action is. Seems to be very non-eve. It's sort of, if you gave me that idea a year ago, I'd really raise my eyebrows at it. But we're at the point where people just want to get out in space and play a video game. As far as perfect intel goes, I, I'd, I'd love to ask you what's even the solution there, but I don't think we have enough to, like, we'd need, we'd need a whole other podcast for that question. Yeah, I'd say delayed. <laughs> I'll say delayed local and let it be done. Yeah, yeah well, they I think that's the obvious one, right? Unfortunately. When you say delayed local, do you mean sort of a few minutes or like a no, no, give it maybe twenty seconds in high sec, forty and low, and up to a minute and all those numbers, obviously. But I'm talking no more than a minute, enough for a good, knowledgeable person to be able to catch someone who's not paying attention and descanning, but not enough 
to where your average Joe sitting out there ratting who just wants to make some money is just going to get completely shit on. That way it's a fair balance. It's got to be that. It's got to be a good number. Maybe make it adjustable by ADMs or some crap like that, or maybe a communication service module or something. But I think overall, delayed local just to give people a chance because nothing sucks more than jumping into a system and having everyone freaking scatter because they see you instantly. I, I think a, someone who's good with D-Scan with a good understanding can track someone down in, you know, 30 seconds, but you know, someone who's paying attention could catch it. So basically make them pay for sitting there, not paying attention, but also reward people who's actively paying attention and trying to, you know, not get shit on. And let's be honest, uh, delaying local by 30, 40, whatever seconds in Nullsec is, uh, it, it's pretty tough to program a bot around that. Um, uh, everyone botting is, we haven't talked about botting, uh, but obviously it's a massive issue. And I think doing a change like that would also put some of the, some of the policing of botting into the player's hands a little more than it currently is. Botting would still happen. So, um, everyone's seen those capsules that used to just be sat in open space next to gates. And nowadays they seem to be sat tethered on citadels. And uh, when Blackout started, you would just see a lot more of them. And uh, you guys might remember a, a little less than a year ago, there was this huge outrage where somebody dug into the in-game monitoring logs and discovered that you could tell when someone was cloaked on grid with you through uh, in-game monitoring tools. Those same, so they, they've restricted some access to that, but those same monitoring tools can tell you when somebody jumps in or out of a system and a bot can scrape those and uh, it doesn't even just need to see you on the overview. It can it can scrape it can scrape the uh, the, the in-game logs and see whether you're jumping in and out of a system because uh, uh, the client receives the gate effect and the gate effect is, is different whether you jump in or out of a system. So the bot can recognize which effect is is uh, has been set off and it can tell whether somebody has entered or exited a pocket. So there's ev even with local out of the way, you're going to see less botting, but it's still going to be prevalent. And you, you make you you. you stick a solution like delayed local into the game and everyone's cheering but in, a, in about a year's time once the bots get more sophisticated it's going to be a problem all over again and we've seen that with the prevalence of they're not so prevalent anymore the super carrier and carrier bots but uh three or four years ago having bots well not three or four years ago sort of four or five years ago having bots that ex that advanced advanced enough to be able to super bat was kind of unheard of it was all sort of uh all of the bots were reliant on auto-aggression from drones. But nowadays you have bots that are intelligent and can lock up targets and click modules in the correct sequence and that sort of thing. And they they're just they're gonna get better. They're gonna bot makers are iterating just as fast as CCPR. So it's uh it's definitely not a one-off. This one solution will save botting forever. It's gonna be a constantly evolving issue. And the issue CCP are having is when they implement a fix. They need to think, okay, what's the what's the next step the botters are going to take, and how much of a pain is that going to be to fix? Is there another fix that we can implement now that takes botters in a different direction that's going to be easier to address in the future? I think I think that's going to be a big concern for them. It's definitely a big rabbit hole. Yeah, um, yeah, very yeah. big one. So let's kind of move to wrap this up, guys. Um, if you have any parting words, uh, we'll just go down the list. Uh, whether that's a shout out or or something you wanted to add, um, yeah, and we'll we'll wrap this up. So let's uh, just go in Discord order. So starting with January. 
PvP is extremely important to EVE. Uh, that's what I would say a majority of people really enjoy either watching or listening to uh, podcasts or or being engaged with it. But I think it's important um, not just to fall in the trap of just my numbers are bigger than your numbers, so we're just going to settle it out like that. I think there are so many opportunities for very clever and very skill-intensive, um, and those should be rewarding. And it's it's that balance, trying to achieve that balance between low sec and null sec, and even wormhole space, um, is very important. And I think that's something a lot of people should uh, be cognizant about when when they're thinking about it, because it just it doesn't have to. It's just having something just for null sec is not an overall benefit to the game. Having something that can benefit the vast the majority of spaces and opportunities uh, for for conflict is what's going to make Eve uh, best. And so I would encourage everyone to have an open mind about that and not just get stuck into, well, you know, it's my playstyle or the highway kind of thing. Excellent. Lorseco, you're up. Uh, I, I'm going to talk about the CSM voting. To everybody listening, please, please, please vote, no matter who you're voting for, and please fill your ballots. I've done a lot of research the past few weeks into how single transferable voting system works. And while it's a system that enables Nothic candidates to sort of dominate, it's also a system that means that if small gang people like us that are outside of Nobox are cohesive enough and get together well enough, we can get a few people on. We're looking at realistically two seats, three at most, that are not going to be null block this year. I think more likely it's going to be one or two. The only way somebody is going to get on is if you guys fill your ballots one to ten. If you guys want to put, if you guys want to put me as number one because you're you're a wormhole dude and you like my ideas with wormholes, then other people in this room need to be need to be on that ballot as well. Other people that have focuses on small gang people who are sympathetic to the issues that wormholes have and at the same time if you're voting for somebody like phantomite with his sprawling ecosystem changes having good shit balance people like myself and stitch alongside them I'm, I'm sorry to exclude the rest of you i don't know the rest of you that well but i know me and stitch have talked a lot about shit balance and it's just it's so important to fill those ballots if you guys all vote for me and i don't get on and you have chosen somebody else as your number two then we are both then we are all helping that person get on instead of me it's so important please just take the time to fill out your ballot and then you can copy and paste the link and use that link for all of your accounts or share it with your corps and alliances just whoever you're voting for make sure you fill it or at least just don't vote for the one person just please put as many as you can in there as many people as you want to and down to you stitch Yeah, definitely second what uh, Loresco mentioned there. Um, we definitely need to have the ballots fully filled out, you know, with everyone that, you know, uh, supports small gang, solo, ship balance, stuff like that, low sec. Um, uh, that's, that's very important just because, you know, we don't want those single ballots and then your vote basically gets wasted. Um, and I, again, as far as CSM representation goes, we're definitely fighting an, an uphill battle against all the null block entities, and we just kind of need everyone we can to to fill in here. But yeah, other than that, you know, I definitely appreciate being on the the podcast here and uh, kind of getting to talk with everyone and get everyone's ideas down. I think it's it's really beneficial to the community to kind of get this out there, and you know, people 
to, to talk amongst themselves about it. Yeah, for sure. And Torvald, last but not least, uh, Phantomite had to run a few minutes ago. Uh, it went on a little long, long for him, so he doesn't uh, he doesn't get a shout out. But uh, yeah, down to you, Torvald. Uh, CSIB is a great tool. Uh, one of the downsides of it is people are told how to vote. So this is to all of you out there listening. Do not be told how to vote. Do your research. Look at the candidates. Don't you know? We need to get out of the stigma of you know, being told who to vote for and getting the same people and getting the same representation, you know, think of, think of the community, think of Eve as a whole, you know, there's so many mindsets out there other than your own. So do your research, think about Eve on the long term. think about the love you have for this game and the passion, um, find out who best represents each area of the game, whether they represent an area or they represent the community as a whole, but yeah, don't, don't fall for those ballots, you know, let's fix the problem that is CSM, which starts at the, basic idea that we're all just going to vote for who we're told for or vote for who we're told to because you know that's how it is that's one of the problems um i'm torvald running for csm i'm gonna you know my goal is to support players individual play styles and you know not any specific area but hopefully uh hopefully whether it's not me hopefully whoever you get up there is who you honestly believe is the best option to represent the community and this game that we love to ccp so thank you for having me on here yeah you bet yeah, and uh, I mean, those are those are all good statements, guys. I mean, uh, CSM is often criticized, and it's easy to do uh, when you're not in a null block because it, it's so null block dominated. I think there definitely is strength and diversity, uh, and that's undisputed. Um, so I just wanted to, to echo what these guys were saying and, and that you need to vote, you need to fill your ballot. Uh, Less than 10 is not putting out a one-click ballot because, like Torvald mentioned, I'm against them. I think people should vote for themselves. Uh, it doesn't take long. Uh, I, I don't want people to just <laughs> single-click, even though, it's, I mean, we don't have a, a huge reach at all. But even then, I don't want people to just click on the thing and vote. Like, it, it's probably counterintuitive. Like, it's probably going to, it's, it'd probably be better better if I did, but I'm not going to because uh, it's more the sentiment that you know everyone should vote. And I hope this episode will give you guys a little bit of insight, a little bit of view into some of the candidates. All right, guys, that's the episode uh, for today. So just remember, it's not the size of your gang. It's, it's how, how you use it. it.